Hi guys, welcome to Brainstorm. Trash your erasers because we're here to lead you through. Wait. (laughs) 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 Fuck. Fuck. Okay. Let's do that again. Um, hi guys, welcome to Brainstorm. This is an art podcast between me and my friend Garrett Lai, um, where we talk about the wilderness of art making and how to get through it. Okay, trash your goddamn erasers, guys. My name is Garrett, and I am a comic artist, illustrator, bicon, uh, bisexual icon, and I'm addicted to Zillow and desk porn. Desk porn? Like, are we talking, like, Pinterest desk porn? Like, porn, like, on desks? Like, what kind of porn are we talking about? <laughs> porn on desks. No, um, I am addicted to, like, searching the just corners of the internet for the finest looking desks and the desks Ooh. that fit my <sighs> lifestyle in my room the most so all do- sorts of different features of desks including how many drawers they have oh what kind God. of like you know setup like armature they have maybe on the front this like, is a family podcast i'm You're so filthy. sorry You're disgusting you should be fucking ashamed of yourself right now talking about drawers like that i'm proud i'm proud have you seen there are people on twitter that are just like i'm a proud masturbator and (laughs) that is how i feel about my addiction to desk porn i'm unashamed oh my god i feel that though (laughs) I saw a very, 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 very sexy desk the other day. Mm. It wasn't the desk itself so much as like the way that it was set up with like a Cintiq and all of these house plants and it was facing like this beautiful big window. I was just like, oh. The way that it beckoned you, the way that it like curled its finger for you to come and join it. Yes. I was like, I would get so much work done if I had that desk. And so, oh yeah, a nice plant, a good window, like it's pornographic. Yeah, but uh, so who are you? Oh my god! So I'm Gal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monster enthusiast, an illustrator, and COVID nineteen has made me Amish. Ah uh, yes. Yeah. So describe to the listeners how how Amish you are. Well, I started growing uh, oh. onions and uh, tomatoes, oh. and uh, I baked my own bread from scratch yesterday. And um, I don't even know. That's not an Amish accent. That's like <laughs> Shrek's That's like distant Scottish. cousin. <laughs> Shrek's distant cousin. Oh the one God. we don't talk about. It's Shrek's like bearded cousin with like a beard <laughs> like down to its knees. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, so I I made some freshly baked bread. I've been drying herbs. Ugh. I made my own tea. Like Ooh. it's it's been very I've been very domestic because I'm slowly going out of my mind in this quarantine. Oh yes. We can definitely yeah. relate. Yeah. So Thank God for this, because I get to just spill my neurosis on the internet, you know? (laughs) Exactly. That is the vibe. Big fucking mood. But uh, yeah, yeah, Garrett, uh, what are we talking about today? So today we are continuing. This is part two of our episode 
basically we are going to be talking about the world mm. and how it pressures us to produce 24 7 and how taking a break feels wrong Ugh. and we just want to talk about self-care especially during this time when you're not caring for yourself jim i can see that stain on your shirt i know how it is <laughs> um i i know you haven't showered in three fucking days because you're cooped up in your house I know you've been winking to that desk porn. Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> so we just, we want to help give you guys the tools to be able to like not work yourself to death and not feel pressured to be productive during this unprecedented time. I used that word a lot in my voicemails for my job the other day. I said, this is very unprecedented. Ooh. It's so true. I mean, I would like to start with just something somebody said to me because you know i'm 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 freaking out about my future obviously and and moving and you know you have a plan of how things are gonna turn out in your head and a vague timeline and you know, i was feeling really down about it and she was like a global pandemic is not the time to be planning out your future <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it is because we're continuing to do it um, but at the same time, it's not the same times as normal. People are going to be way more understanding at a time like this, you know? Yeah, I would, I would hope so. But, um, you know, she, she raised a very good point. I was like, why am I putting the same amount of pressure on myself as I would if there wasn't a global pandemic? You know what I mean? Like, why am I just being so caught up in these fears the future and the fears that I'm not being productive enough and the fears that I'm not working hard enough or like using this time like this is a this is something yeah unprecedented that nobody knows how to deal with yeah that's so true and this is a time where we should be showing as much kindness to ourselves as possible like put your self-care into fucking overdrive right now <laughs> yes please don't be out there beating yourself up because you're not doing your projects like there's a fucking global pandemic going on give yourself a hug bitch give yeah yeah a hug honestly but you know it does raise a good point it's like how is it possible that when we're facing such extremes that we still have this like workaholic tendency to put ourselves down and just really like focus on fear and productivity you know i always yeah. wonder like where is that coming from um i've actually like i've read some science i read science mm -hmm. science told me after i read it science said <laughs> it said that a lot of times people work harder when they're not paid or compensated for what they're doing. So I think that is kind of rearing its ugly head right now because a lot of people aren't being compensated properly. Therefore, they feel more passionately involved in what they're working on. Truly, like whether it is a project that they care about or not, they care more about it because they have more time to and because they aren't they're they're not being compensated fairly for it so this is also relevant to people's like personal projects you know the reason why we're so into them or part of the reason is because no one's being like oh yeah jim like i'll take care of you thanks for putting that presentation together here's eight thousand dollars the people who are getting that kind of pay are just like great i just got eight thousand dollars uh please don't call me because i'll just be like sipping fucking like champagne on the beach <laughs> 
<laughs> and like not give you the time of day, you know? So there are a lot of different factors that that principle can affect us. I, that's that's really interesting. I didn't I didn't know that. It's pretty much contrary to, to everything that we're told to believe, you know? That people won't work if they don't have some kind of reward. But I feel like if it's a passion project, yeah, of course people are going to want to work on it. That's why universal basic income yeah. is like such a such a revolutionary idea because people do work harder when they have this guaranteed safety. If they know they're going to be okay and they're not being paid these copious amounts, they work harder. Yeah, now all of a sudden we have all this time in our hands and it's like, what do we do with it? I feel like all of this time that we have on our hands really makes people kind of confront like once you once you get rid of like let's say let's get rid of okay I'm scared I'm gonna lose my job let's get rid of economic uncertainty when you just give people a large period of time and a lot of uncertainty during that time I think it's human nature to just kind of flip the fuck out, right? Oh, yeah. Because we don't do well with uncertainty and we don't do well with sitting with discomfort. Mm -hmm. So right now there's obviously the existential discomfort of like, oh my God, like, am I going to get sick? Am I going to get ill? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? When will this be over? Like my plans for the future, like what's going to happen? Yeah. And we're forced now that some people are just completely out of work and they don't have those distractions available to them. They're just sitting, they're just stewing in this shit and their mind is just going and going. And I think we grasp the nearest distraction, which in many people's cases tends to be work. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, I mean, I think maybe that is part of the contributor, but even beyond this insane time, you know, I did a little bit of self-reflection and I was like, cause I, I feel much the same way. I'm like, well, you know what? I have all this time. Like I shouldn't be playing the Sims 4 and making bread all day. <laughs> like, I should be, I don't know, like working on a gazillion projects at the same time and like teaching myself new things and doing this and doing that. And I was like, man, why am I feeling like this? And I, 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 I realized that, you know, my family background, just, just some quick facts about me. Aww. I come from a family of immigrants. My grandparents, both sets, were from Cuba. They fled the regime there and they kind of came to America with nothing. And they really just like in the Sims <laughs> when you start with jack shit and then you work your way up. Um... That that's kind of their story, you know, like the 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 most stereotypical American dream of American dreams, where they came with pretty much nothing. They worked their way up. They secured a future for themselves and their family. They wouldn't be able to have like in their home country. And so, with that though, came a lot of pressure to constantly succeed, right? Because there was very much the generational trauma of. I lost my home. I lost everything. I can't return to my country because they were enemies of the state. And this this element of loss, I think, translated into, well, my granddaughter or, you know, my offspring or my family, they have to work hard. They have to, like, <laughs> I don't know. And then, like, on my side, it was like, well, I have to make my grandparents proud. You know, I have to constantly be striving to be bigger and better you know and not let them down and make make their suffering worth it 
almost. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So there was always a lot of pressure kind of put on me either like objectively, like things that were said or just kind of subjectively slash like implicitly put on me to like get really good grades or work really hard at school or like work really hard at a job. You know, my grandfather was the kind of person that was like, always do every single job well. Like excellence is, is a standard. Right, exactly. Like excellence is a standard. Like I don't care if you're bagging groceries or if you're like a high level executive, do your job well. So that's something that has carried throughout my life and carried with me. And I think kind of added to my perfectionism a little bit there. But basically, in a long winded story (laughs) that's kind of where my workaholism comes from is uh, my family background seeing the people around me sacrifice so much to get to where they're going and you know I feel like I have to do much the same and that especially has been creeping up on me during this time where you know I was laid off from my job and I'm unable to see like my current students right now because of like this pandemic. <laughs> like, you know, we have to maintain social distancing. So I'm going, I'm going pretty crazy right now. Hence the Sims and making bread. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, my whole life I've been told work hard. And suddenly there's nothing to really work hard towards because, I mean, we're in such a period of uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that things will go back to normal. I mean, thank you for sharing all of that because that's like hella enlightening. And yeah, I think really good for people to think about too, because I've always thought that people who come from other places tend to like work harder and secure what they need and at a higher priority and it is because i think of a more insecure place of not being certain because they came from something totally different so it's just like pretty pretty amazing to hear that and i know that it probably never leaves you you know the desire to be safe even the desire to like not be hungry and all of that i mean i even like know a friend or talked to a friend a few weeks ago who was just like yeah i went through a period where like i just like couldn't even afford food and I still function in from that place. Like even though I make so much more money now, that's still the place where I operate from. And speaking my own truth, I have also been in that same position. And I also continue to operate from that place of like, I was going to food pantries for like, you know, probably like two or three months. And I am still like, even though now I can't afford groceries and I go to the grocery store from like a money and financial perspective, I am operating from that same level of scarcity mentally. Yeah. And I think that once you live in an environment of scarcity, it's really hard to switch to like, hey, we got all the time in the world. Look at all this (laughs) stuff we have. Look at this big house we have. Like everything's going to be fine. I feel really comfortable because like, you know, you know that scarcity and you know what it's like to have nothing and to be able to operate from that place also makes you more compassionate to uh, people who are currently in that situation, you know, but there are people who haven't lived from that place and because they don't know it, they, they don't they don't offer the same kind of benefit of the doubt to people in those kinds of bad situations. Yeah. I think there, you know, that really ties into like what happens when there's economic gaps 
I mean, I feel like there's a certain amount of compassion and understanding that comes with not having things all the time. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah, yeah. Growing up not having XYZ or having to work jobs in order to provide XYZ that were really unpleasant, you know, like (laughs) service jobs. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you've never worked in those environments or you've never wanted for anything, I think sometimes you can just be callous, not intentionally. I mean, obviously you have some people who are just jerks, but it's just the lack of experience and the lack of understanding that kind of stilts empathy there. But yeah, or even if you have worked in those places and it's been a long time, like, and you forget what it's like, you know, it can be, you can be just as callous or sometimes like double down being like twice as bad because like once you leave those service jobs Something else that I know to be true is that you have basically two choices when you've been through something difficult and you see someone else going through the same thing. People's automatic response is actually disgust when they see someone going through something that they've already overcome. But it takes actual, not like mental work, but an extra mental step to be compassionate to those people because it's a way of our our brain being defensive. It's a way of us defending ourselves like, oh, I've been there. I don't want to go back. And I don't want to talk to you about what it's like (laughs) doing that because I've already done that and I'm not going back. Fuck no. That's not me not going back. And it's, it's this brain's response of like rejecting it. Like I'm not going back there. That was a bad time. So you can either choose to keep that wall up or you can be like, I remember what that was like. Here's some stuff that helped me Tell me about some things that you are going through that I maybe not even can help you with, but just like can listen to. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I find myself feeling that way from a mental health standpoint, right? So I've been through a lot of mental health challenges and I've overcome them. And now sometimes when I see like a very depressed person or um, a person really deep into their eating disorder, you know, part of me like wants to just shake them and be like, ah, like... I overcame it so you can do it too. Like, I'm so annoyed. Yeah, or just like run away. Yeah, Yeah. or just run. But then the empathetic part of me kicks in and I'm like, man, I used to be there too. Like, I understand like what it's like and how horrible it is to be in that situation. But empathy does take work. Empathy is a conscious decision and it constantly has to be cultivated it's not something that just like you have it it's something that it's almost like a muscle in your brain that you got to exercise or something or it's it's a mental muscle right <laughs> you know like so it's something that you have to do consciously again and again and again until it becomes a natural way of thinking and a natural response instead of you know so and that's and that's good news right because it means that even if you feel like an angry person or an unempathetic person or just you can always change for the better yeah you can consciously make that part of your like behavior and your a habit and it, it's the same with with anything maladaptive thoughts that you have with any crappy behaviors you don't have to stay stuck in that cycle as humans Mm -hmm. we have the beautiful ability to self-reflect and to change but in order to be able to do that you first have to kind of just be really honest with yourself and feel that pain and feel that discomfort and feel horrible yeah and not flinch from those feelings because only when you confront your feelings and make friends with your feelings bad or good can you actually like begin to understand them and change them Totally. 
I feel like this relates to a note that you have, because I think that people in the face of someone struggling with something that they have struggled with in the past, I mean, and this can even relate to art being like, oh, this person doesn't know how to draw hands instead of showing them how I'll just be (laughs) like, that was really annoying to learn. And I don't really feel like showing you have fun with that. Like I have other things to learn. I'm ahead. So when you get that anxiety with someone or feel that discomfort with someone who has been in a place that you have previously been, I saw you have a note here that says, what do you do when you're anxious? So what do you do when that anxiety comes up? So when that anxiety comes up, sometimes I just have to remove myself from the situation, Uh either physically or emotionally. Sometimes I just have to just feel whatever I'm feeling and just try to let it go. Yeah. And just try to come at it from a place of neutrality and curiosity. Whenever I'm teaching my student and I find myself getting like a little bit frustrated or like I get to a point in a lesson where I'm like, fuck, like I hate doing this shit. Like, you know, much less like, fuck, I don't want to do it. Like much less teach it. I kind of have to like take a deep breath. And what helps me personally is um, lately what I've been doing is on an in-breath, I've been feeling intensely feeling negative things feeling unpleasant things feeling those unpleasant thoughts really being in those unpleasant thoughts and then on the exhale i just pretend that i'm letting them go and not only do i pretend that i'm letting them go i also wish goodwill for everyone who's having those thoughts so when you inhale not only are you feeling like your shitty thoughts but you're feeling the whole world's shitty thoughts and you're connecting to the to the human experience and when you exhale not only are you relieving yourself but you're also wishing goodwill on everyone in the world who's feeling what you're feeling and i find that that really helps because it reminds you that you're not alone that this is a human problem that <laughs> not a gato problem or a gear problem it's an everyone problem so you know that helps Physically doing things helps, right? Because I think anxiety, there's two aspects of anxiety. There's a physical aspect of anxiety and there's a mental aspect. The physical aspect is, you know, like increased heart rate, increased breathing, shallow breathing, your nervous system is all like fucked. So you have to combat it in two ways. You need to physically relax yourself by doing breathing exercises or maybe taking a walk or shaking yourself out. And then you have to mentally relax yourself by letting those thoughts pass, acknowledging that they exist, yeah, saying hi to them, and then just letting them go like a passing cloud overhead and not engaging in them and not going down that rabbit spiral, horrible dark hole. Because I think when people talk about anxiety, I don't know, I feel like they don't talk about the two part aspect of it, right? They just think it's a feeling, but it's so much more than just a feeling. Right. They don't really address, I think the physical aspect doesn't really get addressed as well. But um, I think that that was really helpful. And those are two things that people can do in the moment when they're confronted by it, especially just the the breathing thing, because then you are addressing it then and there. You're making a conscious decision to relieve your own anxiety and to come from an empathetic place. So that is very helpful yeah and it goes back to the idea that empathy is something that you cultivate and it's something that you can cultivate right now it doesn't have to be like you don't have to wait until you're in a situation where you meet someone like you or you meet someone less fortunate or you meet someone going through something in order to feel empathy you can feel empathy right now 
you can think about the world, you can think about the COVID victims, you can think about the fear and anxiety of everyone around you, strangers, your friends, your family, even your enemies. Mm -hmm. You can feel this and you can wish goodwill towards them. Totally. At any time. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So I find that combating negative emotions with compassion and with gratitude is really the only or one of the cures for them. Mm -hmm. It's a good medicine. Yes, it is a very good medicine. It's a really fucking hard medicine and it tastes awful. I'm going to be real. (laughs) It's fucking awful. I remember practicing like gratefulness while I was in like a not great situation and sleeping on an air mattress when I first got here. And I was just like, oh, like, what can I be grateful for? And then, like, I was also doing that while I lived with my parents because I knew it was a way of managing anxiety. And I was just like, oh, but what am I grateful for? And, like, God, like, sometimes you just wake up and you're just like, I'm not grateful for anything. Yeah, sometimes you wake up and you're just pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say, like, the muscle of finding something to be grateful for was definitely helpful and probably, like, saved me in those times. Yeah. You can always find something to be grateful for. And you can always find something to help yourself in the moment. Yes. There's always an option to help yourself. You are never in a place where you can't help yourself. So whether it's in life or in art making or both, Mm -hmm. you know, you can always start with a study. You can always start with five minutes of drawing. You can always start by saying, I'm going to do something nice for myself. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to put one foot out of bed. I'm going to drink two sips of water. It can be the smallest thing. Yeah, but it gets you going. It gets you moving. There's always something you can do for yourself right now. Yeah. Like, so you touched on there's always something you can do for yourself. How can, how does that relate to productivity? Because I know we have this desire to be good or feel good or fulfill what is expected of us. So how do we fulfill those expectations that sometimes we just put on ourselves while also being kind to ourselves and helping ourselves? So there are a couple quotes. (laughs) Um... Again, I've I've talked about this book a lot in the previous episodes, but again, another reading from When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. Um, it's like my Bible at this point. Um, so starting off with quote, we create our situation by how we use our mind, end quote. Mmm, mm, that's powerful stuff. It's powerful. Continuing, we can make ourselves miserable or we can make ourselves strong. The amount of effort is the same, end quote. And it's true, right? Our mind is a powerful tool. So we can sit here and we can be consumed by anxiety and we can be consumed by indecision and paralyzed. Or, or, or (laughs) we can sit here and we can breathe and we can feel what we're feeling and then we can let it go. Yeah. And we can keep doing that. And keep doing that and keep doing that until we feel a sense, just even if it's just a sliver of peace, even if it's just a little like little fart of peace. Like something my therapist likes to say is that mental health is a choice in the sense of mental illness is not a choice. Let's just get that out of the way. Let's make that very clear. But mental health is a choice. 
right? And that goes back to yeah, you to be mentally healthy. Yeah, to be mentally healthy, to take steps towards being mentally healthy. That is a choice. Choice is always yours. You are always in power of that. I think anxiety and depression and other things robs us of a feeling of choice. Well, yeah, and but it is a choice because um I mean, obviously not a choice to be mentally ill, but the thing about illness is that it is it is illness. It strikes you. It is unpredictable. You can get coronavirus or you can get sick. If you're trying to be physically healthy, you can you can exercise or instead of having a milkshake, you can have a salad. It's not going to prevent you from getting sick. Sometimes if you have if you have a salad, you can still fucking get coronavirus. And, uh, you know, just like if you're taking steps to be mentally healthy, mental illness can still strike you. But you can do things that are good for you mentally the same that you can do things that are good for yourself physically. But those things might not always completely prevent it. Oh, totally. And that's the nature of mental illness, right? It can strike at any time. Sometimes things are just physical. Sometimes they're cyclical, like bipolar disorder or um, like cyclical depression and stuff like that. It comes and goes. Various moods come and go. And um, actually, Pema give, gave a example of a friend she has with cyclical depression. And he meditates and you know he follows buddhist philosophy and stuff like that and it doesn't prevent the depressive states Mm -hmm. meditation and sometimes medication too doesn't necessarily cure a depressive state or prevent a depressive state but it gives you tools to manage it and it reminds you that it's not forever this will not last forever this pandemic will not last forever this anxiety will not last forever. There will be an end to something. It's an indeterminate, but there will be an end. So if anything else, you can remind yourself that things are changing. Things will continue to change. There will be an end to this pandemic. There will be an end to this uncertainty. And you can get through it, right? Yeah. Another thing I recently talked about was Viktor Frankl. He's like the basically the father of like logotherapy and existentialist philosophy and he was a survivor of concentration camps and he wrote his famous book is man's search for meaning which is exactly like what's on the tin (laughs) you know it's about like man's search for meaning and he talked about how and it's my favorite quote and i like low-key want it tattooed on my body um but it's quote that which is to give light must endure burning end quote hmm wow yeah yeah that's great yeah lots of quotes today just dumping them yeah (laughs) i mean hey you have every right because that's what i did when i was like steal like an artist i was like and this one and this (laughs) one and this one um so what else can you say about our need to be productive and how else can we combat it? Cause I know we have also been talking about empathy and helping um, other people. And I think that's just kind of generally what's on our minds right now, along with the pressure to be productive, but how can we also extend that empathy to ourselves during this time? I mean, recognize first that your behavior is hurting yourself, right? Recognize first that you're in pain. 
um, that you're anxious, that you're feeling like shit. Don't try to lie to yourself and be like, no, 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 I'm fine. Or don't try to like downplay it. Don't try to be like, well, I don't have any right to feel blah, 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 because other people have it worse than me. Like, fuck that shit. Just fuck all that. Just accept the feelings as they are. Let the feelings come as they are and acknowledge them and don't run away from them and look at them in the eye and befriend them and let them go. I think I've said this before in a previous episode, but there's another Buddhist teacher, Zen master called Thich Nhat Hanh. I, I'm sure I butchered his name too. But he talks about when you're feeling miserable, when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling scared like this, to kind of just hold yourself like a baby, physically, mentally, whatever you got to do. If there was a crying baby, what would you do? Would you fucking punt it across the room? Would you scream at it? Would you yell at it? Would you tell it to shut the fuck up? Or would you pick up the baby? <laughs> what do you yeet that baby across the room? Or would you pick up that baby and figure out why it's crying and try to rock it to sleep? or give it milk, or whatever it needs, change its diaper. Would you care for it? Would you be kind and gentle towards it? Or would you be cruel? So if you would be kind to this baby, why can't you be kind to yourself? Why can't you treat yourself like a crying infant, helpless and sad and afraid and alone and hold yourself and comfort yourself? Yes, I think that is a great way to look at it. Also, euthanize it. <laughs> it might be a bad example there's maybe people out there that are like i fucking hate kids like i totally would throw it across the room so picture something that you would care about right it could be a helpless kitten it could be a helpless little puppy or whatever you like Unless you're a serial killer. Like, we all have vulnerable moments with other people or with ourselves where maybe we don't have the emotional energy to, like, deal with other people's bullshit or our own. Oh, totally. Sometimes it can be too hard to just, like, fucking help yourself. And that's when you can just, like, cry or something. And that's fine. Because that can help you to then have emotional energy again afterwards because crying is just so good for you. Yeah, it's a natural release valve. And it's crazy how we prevent ourselves from crying. How we as a society, for some reason, have, especially for, for dudes, yeah. have just put this stigma around crying because we think it's an expression of weakness and it's shitty and oh, it's so gay or it's so like, oh, uh, I don't know, women, womanly. I cry because I'm gay. <laughs> Oh, same. Big fucking mood, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think that, um, I just think that there are multiple ways to care for yourself. And like, when you're having a crisis, yes, you can jump into crisis relief mode and help the baby in your head. Or you can also just be like, what is most helpful to me right now is just to like, let myself feel this shit and just relax. Oh, yeah. And like not try to coach myself right now. Cause like sometimes that's showing yourself self love because it's like sometimes you just need a break from all of the prefrontal cortex <laughs> fucking effort it takes to like talk to yourself out of some of this shit. And sometimes it's okay to just feel it, you know? Yeah. And I think the idea is to not talk yourself out of it. 
right? Because mm-hmm. it probably, I mean, I guess sometimes it can work, but a lot of the times emotions just, they're fucking emotions. They don't go away. They don't listen to reason because they're feelings. So all you can do is feel them and just be honest with them, right? And face them and not run away from them and not try to repress them and not try to distract yourself, but just to like let yourself feel like shit and let yourself cry and let yourself be afraid and let yourself be depressed and let yourself be sad. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just part of the human experience. And the more that we try to limit our human experience and the more we try to repress our human experience, just the more we hurt ourselves. Yeah. So with that in mind, everybody, just be miserable. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I hope um, I hope that we could help y'all with through all of this craziness, even if you're listening to this at a time when COVID-19 is no longer. I think there is a lot to be learned from our time on this earth spent with this experience. And we can take that and direct that knowledge about other people towards ourselves. Yeah. Even in the future when this isn't going down. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, is there anything you want to add? Um, I mean, I kind of just want to close again with, I'm going to repeat this quote. We create our situation by how we use our mind. So use your mind for good, BB, not evil. Yeah. We can make ourselves miserable or we can make ourselves strong. The amount of effort is the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, and something I want to close with is that I remember being a kid and this little, like, facts just changing my little bitchy life. Um <laughs> When I was like really young and people always said like, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. (laughs) And, um, but like, it is true. And it's like very easy to smile. And even if you fake smile, there is proof that it can make you feel better just from a physiological standpoint. So smile y'all, you know, do some art, make a smile, have a smile. (laughs) And just, um, even if you don't feel like it, you know, try to muster up something that you're grateful for right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, if there's something, if, if we can give you a little homework, right? After this, after you finish listening to this, write down five things that you're grateful for. And again, it doesn't have to be anything big or sweeping or whatever. It can literally be, I'm grateful for the existence of coffee. Like... Yes, and that I don't have COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful that I'm not dying. I'm grateful I don't have the shits right now. I'm grateful oh, that yeah. pizza is in existence. <laughs> You're grateful that pizza's within arm's reach if you ever do need to shit yourself. Exactly. It's fucking exactly. <laughs> So there's always something you can be grateful about. There's always something you can do to help yourself in the present moment. Right now. In fact, go do it. Go do it right now. Fucking do it. Get off your race. Fucking do it. Just (laughs) do it. Just do it. Kato 2020. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to your goons. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, guys. Peace out. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Wear your gloves. Don't wear anything but those things. (laughs) Yeah, just be naked in public, but make sure you wear a mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure you'll be safe.
It'll be Bye, fun. guys. Bye.